Welcome to your best bets. Two weeks uh, from a very big event, uh, the Super Bowl. But uh, tonight we're going to be talking about golf, reviewing the Farmers Insurance Open, uh, talking about a lot of live stuff from the Dubai Desert Classic from the past weekend as well, and previewing the Pebble Beach event this weekend. Uh, one of our favorite uh, programs uh, to watch and enjoy. We'll get into that later. Uh, joining me has been a couple weeks. Johnny Strauser is here. Johnny, what's new? Good to good to be back on the show here after uh, a couple weeks. Here, our our our, our picks were kind of fading, so we had to kind of take a couple weeks here to regroup and everything like that. Um, Want to talk quickly about the NFL though? Like it was just weird yesterday. Conference championship. That's probably. I think that's my favorite football day. My favorite football Sunday. Is is those days because they're just such such huge games. You know, once you get to the Super Bowl, it's like, hey, that's cool, and there's all sorts of other stuff. But you know, you think yeah. about it, the Eagles w- were the most deserving team out of the NFC, but the easiest freaking road ever to get to the Super Bowl. I think that was the 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 worst collection of teams that they've had to play. Not, I don't want to take away against them making Super Bowl because. They, I think they would have beat anybody to get to that point. But God, I mean, how how easy can it get there to play the Giants, which are frauds? And then you've got San Francisco, which is probably a better team just on their, you know, with their third and fourth quarterbacks and everything. And then you look at, uh, you know, the Chiefs and I, I, you know, I think they they were the best team in the AFC, probably deserved, but how the Bengals just got jobbed it with by the referees. And I don't like to bring that into it. And, and, you know, it is what it is. That's part of the game, but Holy shit. I mean, that was just like, just two weird things is you got two teams. Both teams should have been there and they should be playing and how they get there is just, is just the craziest thing to me. But, uh, you know, looking forward to one more game here for, for you know, that we, we got nothing for eight months or whatever. So, you know, I think it'll end up being a good game and I'm sure you'll, you'll talk about it going forward in, in another show, but uh, just thought that was an interesting observation yesterday. Yeah. Really unfortunate with uh, the Niners quarterback situation, because I did, I did think the roster stacked up, you know, at least even with the Eagles and maybe at, in a lot of spots better. And uh, it's really one of the, one of the, Evilest curses I've seen in a while is just not having a healthy quarterback to even compete in the in the game that matters the most. Um, you know, I had a I thought, man, this will be Kyle Shanahan's uh, uh, masterpiece if he can if he can figure out a way to get there with Josh Johnson in the second quarter when they tied the game. I'm like, can you just like you can hang your head on that forever and have a, have a spot uh, in the NFL no matter what your record is going forward. Um, but then when he had his injury, you're like, what what the hell do they do? Um, so I, I don't know if I found anything out about the Eagles, really. Um, they didn't really have to do too much. Jalen Hurts didn't really have to do too much. Um, and so that's that. And then, the, yeah, you're, you're not wrong about the Chiefs-Bengals game. Uh, um, 
it feel it felt like every call went against the Bengals in the second half, uh, from a phantom redo of third down to some pass interference calls, um, intentional grounding. I mean, you know, all those were borderline, but it's it's kind of weird when every call goes against uh, goes against you. Maybe a missed block in the back on that huge punt return. Uh, they're late, um, but yeah. I wasn't upset because I did have a parlay on the Chiefs Eagles. Um, it did work out for me, so I kind of kind of felt dirty uh, with that Chiefs win. But um, yeah, if, if you're the Bengals today, you got to feel pretty pissed off. Or if you're a Bengals fan, I, I would feel pretty pretty upset. Although they were, it felt like two times they're late. They were in the catbird seat with the ball late, and I, I felt like they were going to drive and kick the field goal, but it went the opposite way. Um, you mentioned it's been a couple weeks since we recorded a golf show. Um, I was I was feeling a lot like Joe Asai with my golf picks um, the first three weeks, just way off the map. Um, uh, we didn't make any picks for last week, um, but we both had success. So maybe 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 it's best to not record uh, shows, not put out picks, and we'll actually win. So um, I got to credit you, you you. Um, we were texting Tuesday and we mentioned kind of who we liked and you said you were on home and I, I really wasn't on my radar. Um, so I did, I did tell you, I didn't, I didn't win as much as you, but it was at least something to salvage the, the weekend. Of course, my biggest bet was on a guy that missed the cut, Will Zalatoris. I felt so good about him and uh, that didn't work out, but uh, Max Oma, uh, dude's got big balls. Um, you can't can't deny that now. And what just a fascinating career he's really um, turning this into from a guy that got on tour, couldn't make a cut, um, and then, you know, kind of the feel-good, fun guy to root for on Twitter. And now he's just like a stone-cold killer. And when he gets there in contention, he almost always wins. I mean, I haven't seen anything like that where guy doesn't really finish second or third. If he's in the mix on Sunday, he pulls it out. I mean, it's pretty incredible. You know, he's, he, it really is. And it's quite the story. And there's even more to that backstory. Like he was an NCAA individual champion at the university of California, Berkeley back in the day and turned pro struggled a lot as a professional golfer and he was um in corn Ferry playoffs i believe it was or whatever their qualifying school is um and he was down to his last like nine holes and i think he i think he ended up birdieing his last three holes or four holes of that yes. tournament yes ended up getting his status and at that point just kind of took off from there. So just, I mean, he was really two or three legitimately two or three shots from maybe quitting professional golf and being uh, an insurance salesman or, or financial broker or something like that. And now the guy's got six wins. He's easily one of the top 10 best American players uh, right now. And you're right. He's, he's known now as the closer. I mean, he's got, got a really good golf swing. He, he masters it quite well, but he's got that great attitude though, that, uh, where he doesn't get down on himself and he just kind of focuses on that next shot. Kind of like what tiger always a tiger would, would hit a good shot, hit a bad shot, whatever, but he'd come in for his next one. And it'd be, uh, um, you know, it'd be a completely different thing. He'd have that new focus, you know, that new, new readiness, and I think I think Max has kind of adopted that on some level and everything. But you know, you look at all the names that were up there in this in this event. I mean, 
he started the day several shots back and he had John Rahm playing in the, you know, playing in a late group and you had Hideki Matsuyama and Kyle Morikawa and this, this field was pretty solid and he just, yeah. he just kept making good shots there. And, and Torrey Pines is a really tough golf course. And then you add, it was only probably 55 degrees that day. So it just was kind of really uncomfortable. It was cold. They play at sea level. So the ball doesn't fly that far. And, and, and Max is just, you know, he's not, and, and it's been a little while, but he's not just that, that funny Twitter personality, which by the way, he is funny. If you have Twitter and you don't follow him, he's, he's quite the, the listen, but he's de- developed into one of those guys that if he gets into contention like that, you feel pretty good about it. I mean, he, he was, uh, uh, I think he caught the lead around the 11th hole or something like that. He made birdie, uh, in the back nine at Torrey is really, really tough in the, especially in that weather, but he birdies the par three 11th hole and then hits a tee shot kind of squirrely on 14 way right hits it short of the green ships it up there and misses about a six eight footer or something like that for par makes bogey to fall one back and it comes back two holes later in this 230 yard par three directly into the sun and i know a lot of golfers listening to this have hit hit golf shots directly in the sun. You just don't feel comfortable doing it. Hits this three iron to uh, a 15 feet closest shot of the day, buries the putt, gets the lead, and then birdies 18 to take the lead. And then he had some other things, you know, some other guys just couldn't couldn't quite meet up, make birdies, and and they, they kind of faltered on the stretch. But, I mean, you got to love the guy just for who he is and his attitude and his personality. But he's legitimately, like I said, he's got to be – easily top 10 American players um, right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I think he's what 12 or 13th in the world ranking. So yeah, definitely validates that thought. Um, Yeah. A couple thoughts on on that, just to piggyback on, on some of the things you said. Um, He's just like, you know, I think he, he kind of gets the rap of like, you know, he mentioned funny and engaging on Twitter, but like, I, you know, I did a lot of, I did, I read some stuff, uh, some interviews and he's, he's actually like a really big golf nerd and he's a pretty deep thinker. He's got a golf psychologist and he's really into the mental side of the game. And obviously it's helped him um, because, and, and if you listen to him talk through some shots or post round interviews, just kind of his feelings, it's, it's a lot of relatable things to stuff that, you know, we go through in local tournaments. Um, but he, he does a really good job describing it. In a, in a relatable way to the normal person. And I think that's why he's got a big, a big, big and growing fan base. I can't think of anyone that doesn't like him. Um, I mean, he's one of these guys where he wins. Everyone seems happy. He's not divisive in any way. And he just, like I said, he just says all the right things and you believe it because it feels genuine. And I think that makes him easy to root for. Um, I think I, I still have a hard time taking it seriously a little bit. You know, I think, it was, you know, we, we, we had the, the, the win at Riv a couple of years ago where, you know, we all benefited financially hugely from that, where it was like, his, you know, oh, okay, Max is, that's, that's a nice story, nice underdog story, second win, his hometown event, that's awesome. And then for me, it was his fourth win, which was the Wells Fargo last spring, where I was like, okay, this is like, it's pretty serious. Like he beat, um, you know, a pretty good field there. He grinded it out, an ugly win in the rain, and then he just keeps winning. I mean, I think I saw that since the start of the 2021 season, the only guy that has more wins is John Rahm. 
Um, he's winning at a clip that's probably not sustainable, but it's it's an unbelievably impressive two-year run, two, three-year run here. So I, I myself, I think it was at the Fort, Fortinet in, in the fall, the fall, the fall event that he won where he was the favorite. And you and I were like, oh, my, oh my God, Max Holman's the favorite at a, an event. But that was the point where I'm like, okay, the books are starting to catch up and recognize like his win equity is, is really strong. And especially in weak fields, you've got to take it seriously because, again, if he's there on Saturday or Sunday, there's a very good chance he's going to stick out. So I'm just really impressed by it, and uh, I just can't wait to see where it goes. I would ask you what's the ceiling, but I ask that about every player after he wins. So I, I don't know what it is, but I, I, I think we, we all want to see him compete in a major, you know, really be there. You know, the um, U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club feels like just – spot right for him to at least have a chance um, with with his game i and he's one of those guys i don't know what you think but I, I can't pinpoint anything he does great he's a pretty good driver of the ball i think his iron place been remarkably improved i mean look at those birdies he made on 11 and 16 on sunday those par threes which were playing incredibly tough his irons into those holes gave him 15 20 footers where no one was getting close um and he, he makes he makes he's just starting to make more putts. So he just does everything really well and doesn't really have a weak weakness right now. It feels like. No, he, I don't think he does. Yeah, he doesn't do you know he does a lot of things very 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 good and doesn't do anything that's really really that bad. And and you know when these guys the 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 tour life appears to be one of those things where you can't get too high and too low. Um, about your golf game and and you know we've all hit funks whether it's playing recreational golf or any other sports or whatever it might be uh, kind of hobbies that that uh, um, you know that we've got you you hit lows and it's you know you don't want you don't want that to you don't want to dwell on it you don't want to focus on it you don't want to say well this is who I am and and I think that's a big thing there um, I encourage everyone, and we, you know, we both love the No Laying Up podcast. He was a guest um, on a recent show, and um, I actually listened to it uh, um, uh, middle of the week there when I was flying down to Florida. Humble brag, um, I downloaded it and listened to it. You just wanted to throw that in there. I did, I did, yes. Yeah. So it was, it was nice, but it's, uh, very fascinating stuff like you said he's very he's he, he's a golf nerd he's just he's just like any you know golf fan like you or me except he's just really ridiculously good at the game too so you know the way he thinks the way he uh um, articulates you know approaching a tournament approaching a golf shot you know is, is just really really impressive and what i did was and i encourage anybody to do it is yeah he is from los angeles his golf game fits what LA Country Club, uh, where the U.S. Opens at. Um, I was like, I actually bet him in all three U.S. majors, so the Masters, the PGA, and the uh, the U.S. Open. I got him at about plus forty six hundred or more for each of them. So I didn't throw. I mean, I threw a quarter unit bet on on the you know on him, but. You know, if he has another win or if he comes comes in hot in one of these majors, I mean, that's the next step. And I think that's the the next part in his evolution is he's he's proven he could win these these tour events. He's won at tough golf courses in tough conditions against good fields. You know, the next step is the major championship. So 
I think he kind of takes that personally. He talked about that in the podcast saying, you know what, I don't really play in these very well. And that's my next step. And, you know, we, we've talked about the floor, the ceiling and everything like that. And I hope that he wins at least a major one day. And um, I hope it's soon. And I would, uh, I, you know, if I had a bet right now of, of over a half major in the next, let's say, five years, I'd probably, I mean, you'd have to take the yes. Yeah, yeah. actually, I was going to talk about he's still 36-1 to today on FanDuel uh, for the U.S. Open. Um, I mean, really, really, I mean, at, at his games, he's shown that it, it can adapt to most courses at this point. Um, it's still getting for the Masters at fifty to one on DraftKings today. Um, if you like it for the Masters, I think we both prefer him for the U.S. Open. But uh, let's see if his game can actually travel to a major. I think it's uh, there's was some progression there last year. And yeah, to echo that, I, I listened to his to him on the on the No Laying Up podcast. He was actually on again uh, the, the episode they released uh, re- reviewing the event. He was on again talking about a lot of these specifics, and it, it, he's just a great interview and like I said, just fascinating to listen to. So can't be happy enough about, about the Max Homa development and really a true superstar um, in the making. Uh, what else from Tory Pines? Um, John Rahm, I mean, are we worried? Are we worried worried about what? I mean, you know, I'm I mean, guy has guy has a C plus putting game, you know, for at least two of the days and ends up finishing top 10. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy that you just gotta, you know, maybe we'll level off and we won't see the wins like right away here. So like when he's at sitting at like plus seven fifty or plus 600 or something ridiculous, you know, he, he, he might not be worth, he's, he's, he's a guy that you want to kind of stay away from, but, uh, you know, there was some pretty good names that, that, that rose up and played pretty well. Uh, Colin Morikawa was, was in contention. I had a win bet on him as well. Um, but Sahith Thagala, I mean, this guy just, you know, he, he's better suited for the Poana greens cause he's a California kid. Um, but he's, he's played well in, in, in other ones there, but I, I gotta think this win is coming soon. I gotta think it's coming before, you know, and maybe it might be in the fall season after the, the tour championship and everything like that, but just plays really, really good golf. And he's real consistent. I made the mistake and I don't even, you're probably not even thinking there. I should have bet him top 30 or top 40. And you got to almost do that every single week. Cause if you can get him at plus money, I mean, it almost seems like an automatic bet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like to hand out wins very arbitrarily, but I did, I was going to say, it feels like, He's so close, and uh, um, I felt like two or three really slipped through his fingers last year, and uh, his form looks great so far. Um, I was going to really echo more. I, kind of, I, I mean, I think this dude is very close to winning the tournament. Uh, I mean, how great he played in Hawaii to let that one slip away, but his ball striking is on point. Didn't, didn't feel like he could make a putt um, over the weekend. I, I just think man, he's going to pop and you're still getting 18 to one, 20 to one numbers on him. Um, I don't know. He's not playing in the field this week, but I, I, I am, I'm kind of back on the moral college train where it's like, okay, he's his, his iron play never went away. And we kind of talked about him maybe being the forgotten man, 
Uh, I mean, top five iron play still last year. It's just that putter. Um, what else? Uh, Sam Ryder. Uh, we talked to him about before we went live. Uh, it felt very Luke List-like the way he was going about. I mean, really most of the week being the leader of this tournament and started to slowly fade in the front nine on Saturday. And then, um, you know, just a couple swings in the back, but, you know, accounted accounted for himself pretty well. Um, I think maybe the more noteworthy thing were the, were the purple joggers on Saturday. Um, I think it was the shoe choice. I, I liked the joggers. I didn't think the, the, the black, Kind of traditional golf shoes went with that, um, but uh, I, I know, like you know, fat ass Mike on his couch with eating a bag of chips didn't probably like the the choice. But I, I you know, progressive thinker, I like the joggers. What did you think of them? I, I love the joggers. I, I would, uh, um, I, I would sport those if I had the you know, a little bit of a, probably a better physique or, or less gray in the beard or something like that or, or whatever. Cause I think that's kind of a, uh, I've breached the, you know, I'm kind of past that age group that would wear those. The only, I, the black shoes were not great for me. I just wish they were a couple the, the, the joggers themselves were a couple inches longer, maybe, you know, down to the ankle, covered the ankle a little bit. They just were just, they, they felt a little too short, but Love the color, and you know, I Mickelson used to didn't be, like them. Mickelson had a problem with them. Phil, Phil Mickelson, big fat Phil Mickelson, who wears the dumpy shirts and the, and he's got that leather face and the slick back hair, and okay, that's good for Phil. But Phil, Phil was busy on Twitter this weekend. Phil was busy on Twitter. I hope we'll catch that in a second there. But but I, the joggers, though, I, I'm good with you. Right, maybe a little bit more of an athletic and not like a classy, dressed yeah, up look. But exactly I, these dudes, you know, I love the hoodies. I love the joggers. Um, I used to be all traditional collared shirt with the pants. You know, whatever. Now this is this is this is different. This they're still respecting the game and they're still looking looking great doing it i mean th- these fits are, are are just fine i mean in, I, I i i'm not surprised at the 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 blowback on rider there but you know yes it is what it is it is what it is uh keegan um i i mean sneaky second place finish uh he won in the fall i mean this this astounded me this I, I couldn't believe this when I saw it today. He's twenty first in the world. What twenty first in the world? Yes, he is twenty first in the world. Um, I I have this. I have this. You know, I've been on the Aaron Wise for the Ryder Cup train for for this year, but I just have this thought that Keegan might he might be the eleventh or twelfth guy on this team. I you know I don't I don't hate that because I, I figured he was top fifty, but I didn't think he was top twenty five in the world there. But yeah, he he just has you know the I think the win kind of validated a really good season that he had. He's just kind of compiled these these uh, you know times when he's been in contention and finished top ten, top fifteen. I mean, he legitimately had a chance to tie Homa on eighteen. I mean, he had a had a second shot in on the fairway there on Saturday and. You know, he very well could have could have somehow sneaked into a playoff there. So, playing good golf, he's he's uh, figured out you know a comfortable way to 
to putt it. And his ball striking has been, been great. I mean, he's driving the ball really, really well. I, I would not doubt that, you know, maybe not in any of the elevated Florida events, but he's a, he's a Florida guy. Now he's a South Florida guy that he ends up winning. Like, you know, if he plays in like Valspar or, or Honda, you know, something like that. Cause I think he could play tough golf courses pretty well, but it does. It doesn't, it wouldn't shock me to consider him strongly for the Ryder cup. Like you said, it's just whether, whether Zach Johnson would, would, you know, kind of favor him over some of these younger, you know, these younger flashier guys. I went through the exercise yesterday because I think about the Ryder cup all the time, but I feel like 10 spots are just already locks. Um, you know, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but I mean, I feel like 10 or locks and it's, it's basically two spots. Um, I just think how he competes and we give him shit a lot, but I do think, I think he really loves to compete, really gives a shit and he really has fought back from a lot. So you got to give him credit. Um, and his ball striking usually gives him a chance in a lot of events. Uh, I mean, he's such a good ball striker. And if he was even a halfway decent putter the last five years, he might have, Eight, nine, ten tour wins. Um, so I, I, I think I think he's just going to be around a lot this year. Uh, anything else from the farmers? Uh, no. Great. Oh, one last thing. Um, Max with the the really awesome um, kind of live. I don't want to call it interview, but live analysis on yes. Friday was awesome. I loved it. Obviously, it was great because he went on and won the tournament. But on 13 Friday, uh, you know, basically giving live thoughts on on the process and the second shot, this you know that possible pitch shot he had around around the green on 13 third. The whole thing was cool. I loved it. He's a perfect guy to do it. I hope we see more of it. And uh, CBS as a whole was just awesome. They were awesome this week. The, the the drone shots have become the next level thing for their coverage. Different uh, different cameras, different angles at different holes. Um, you know, I don't I don't love love Tory. I love this event because it feels like the first big event of the year. But I thought CBS showcased in a way that made it really really interesting. And uh, can't wait to see if they keep it going. It's not going to be this week. It's not going to be this week. But uh, like Riv, Riv's gonna be. They could be. They could be some next level shit with all the stuff they're doing, with, uh, especially the game. Yeah, I mean they. I think they've they, they they listen. I mean they see Twitter. They see the the complaints and everything. They had you know a few too many commercials once again. But you know I think it's just something as as golf fans you just gotta accept and you just gotta you know you just gotta watch the playing through portions and and hope that some of these golf club companies like. Uh, uh, in the first event, Callaway actually paid um, to not have commercials in the last hour of the event. So, you know, that ended up working out well for for Golf Channel and everything like that. But, you know, CBS is doing some good stuff. I I, I like their announcers. I'm, I'm growing on them there. I'm, I'm kind of glad Faldo's gone. I like Immelman, um, you know, and and it just seems – Frank Navalos seems to have gotten better and um, uh, uh, Dottie Pepper's – Actually, I used to not be able to stand her about three or four years ago. I just thought that she was just not good at all. And she's 
I think she's I think she's very good now. So mm-hmm. with, if they they got to keep doing that stuff where they they have more interactions and and the max thing was awesome because you could you know if if you're you know you're a golfer you're trying to soak in information especially a like we said an intellectual guy like that you know a, a golf nerd you're going to kind of listen to him and and see what his thought process is and and I I look forward I hope they do that you know as much as they can this season. Yeah. Yeah, innovative ways and they're they're trying I appreciate it. Um, there was a lot of things that happened uh, in the DP world, the DP tour <laughs> event this week. It feels like T-Gate happened like a year ago. Um, it was what Tuesday, Wednesday last week with with the Pat Reed, Rory thing on the range. You heard rumors of it, then you saw the video come out. Um, the pressers after that were great. Um, and and then just some of the some of the the golf things that happened. Of course, Rory wins, and um, probably with his B B minus game. And you had a situation where Luke Donald was paired with Henrik Stenson during the events. Uh, you know, Poulter was halfway in it, and and Reed makes the charge uh, on the last day. And he does the thing where he's he plays his best when there's a rules controversy around him. I don't know how he does it. You know, famously with the farmers two years ago, with the uh, with the drop there on number ten, and um, <laughs> that whole situation. I, for some reason, I went back and watched that whole thing, the coverage on YouTube from that, um, the whole the whole uh, conversation with Brad Fable that they just made. I was laughing. Uh, can you you know mind if I stick my finger in there? I, I you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to shit like that. I'm like Did, that was that was unreal but then I, for, I think people forgot he won by five after that and of course we won money on that event but patrick reed rules controversy it's a guarantee he's going to play well and nearly win you know i was was thinking about that and i um obviously didn't see it because it was middle of the night so ended up watching it on twitter uh you know watching it unfold there so um before we get to the teeth T-gate thing, I, you know, we could mention that or whatever, but the, the rules and fractions. So it's a drivable par four. There's three palm trees um, right of, it's kind of in line between the T and the and the, the, the green as the crow flies, but it's kind of a dog leg right. And he's going, you know, he hits it right at the, at the trees there. And it's, and a lot of times these golf balls in these, in these palms, they get stuck. And it just, you know, it is what it is there. So the camera gets it and you could, you can't quite like clearly, clearly see it, but you can see the streak of the golf ball flying to that first palm. Right. Yeah. Um, and then what did he do? Did he, he insisted upon the rules officials that it was in, it was lodged into the third palm tree. Is that what it was? Yeah. And, and the rules official asked him to identify the ball through it. Uh, binoculars and you know this is where it gets a little gray because he he said yeah that's markings on my ball and and the official agreed agreed to give him the unplayable from that spot um you know it's a big deal because if you can't identify his ball it's a lost ball um and he has to go back to the tee and hit three compared to the unplayable right there and it's obviously at least a shot um but you know, so the D, the DP World Tour, they were, they were, they they official agreed with with, with Patrick Reed, but there there is some 
there's definitely a huge world of gray with, with the whole situation um, because the video doesn't line up with where he took the drop. Randall Chambly had a whole JFK assassination video where he's analyzing you know, the, the physics of golf balls and how it, that was possible. And it's, <laughs> it's great content. It was great. Um, it just, it just feels like this never, this never leaves him. It will never leave him for whatever reason. I mean, this has been four or five situations over the course of his career when, you know, a normal player, maybe there's one of these at most. Yeah, I mean, he 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 doesn't give himself the benefit of the doubt anymore with, with the public, with anybody that he really that knows him or anything like that. I mean, you've you've earned that title of just not being a guy that uh that that you can trust. So, you know, in that case, if in that and I'm not just talking about golf, think about any situation. If you've got, you know, coworkers or or whatever that just don't feel that, you know, they they don't feel you're being upfront and stuff like that, you're going to you know, normally you're going to be extra careful as long as you respect them and everything like that. You know, you're going to be extra careful to to say this is, you know, the process at which I'm going to to do something. But this one how he was so goddamn defiant that that was his, his ball that he could identify with with binoculars in this tree, what I played in junior tournaments like that, we've had, uh, there was a couple situations. Uh, I remember there was one time it was my ball. Uh, a couple other times it was somebody else's, and they were in these even junior tournaments. We had USGA rules officials, and they would t- you know flat out be if you cannot get that ball and identify it, then it, you're 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 walking back to the tee. And the fact that these rules officials and everything just want to paint this picture that he, you know, and believe him and everything is not, I mean, he's, he, he cheated when he was in college, who knows what he did in high school, dude stole putters from his teammates locker at the university of Georgia, had to transfer to Augusta state. And for there, he was okay. Cheated in, um, you know, in the mini tours. And then he's had these instances where you can pretty, you know, feel pretty comfortable in saying that, what he's seeing as far as um, you know, a potential rules infraction, which is not, and, and they, they, they look like they are. And he's just, you've got to be careful with yourself. And he doesn't care. He just, he hates everyone so much and he knows that they hate him. It's just one of those things that he gets it into his brain that he's right. And, and that's it. And then nobody's putting a stop to it. And that's where you've got to either have a player or especially the rules officials or the tournament committee. That's got to be like, you know what? No, we're not, we're not going to do this. We're not going to give, we're not going to give uh, Luke Donald. We're not going to give Rory a break. We're not going to give you a break either. And the, the golf rules, they've relaxed them in the last two to three years, but they were extremely strict that even the, the, the least bit of, controversy you had to assume the worst of it so if you couldn't totally identify the ball or you maybe hit a ball out of bounds and you said well maybe there's casual water over there maybe went in the water if you didn't actually see it and everybody in your group didn't see it you had to go and re-hit and assume it was the worst possible outcome and we we haven't done that anymore and i don't know why i don't know if they're afraid that 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 reed and his team are going to sue him or something like that you know, and it's just, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, I could see like the, the thing with the, the Tory where he marked the ball and moved it. I gave, I could, I could see giving him the benefit of the doubt, but this is just so egregious that, 
and be, uh, being allowed and allowed to to happen on um, such a major tour is is befuddling to me, and it just makes me fully not respect the guy at all for just not reading the goddamn room. I mean, you everybody knows you're a cheat, and if everybody says a certain thing about you know sport or about somebody or whatever, most of the time those people are right, and 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 you know it just it irritates me that he's continuing to to take, you know, use the rules to his advantage and somehow they keep fucking letting him. How dare you do this without Zach Fitzgerald here to defend his honor? Well, I hope he doesn't watch this because I'm going to get a, he's going to uh, deliver a, a subpoena to me, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whatever the next holiday <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, we, we're going to need to redact some of this podcast to make sure we're in the clear because we'll, we're the we're the next on the lawsuit list here. Um I got to say, though, life is more entertaining with live guys around and in the field. And um, I'm glad. I mean, for one, I'm, I'm glad Liv's coming back. The schedule's, uh, you know, officially out finally. And we can um, we can consume some of the ridiculousness, not the actual golf, because I don't really care about that. But Mickelson, like I said, was busy on social this weekend talking about winning uh, – team or captain events however he said it was more difficult than winning a pga tour event i'm like come the fuck on stop it this PGA is a tour is thingies i'm like this is this is just this has gone to another level of ridiculousness and um i mean i i'm, I'm here for it but you know now we're we didn't even get a chance to talk about it the the events being broadcast the cw um you know after Runs of Roswell or something like that. <laughs> Back to our high school days. Um, I, I I just there's there's actually a lot of shit going on with with live the the, the leadership. Um, a lot of the upper echelon officials are leaving. Uh, you know, I just read today that a lot more control has gone over Greg Norman's hands. I don't know why. I don't know if that's that's great for the future of the tour. Um, there's the schedule I thought was pretty full. I mean, if these guys got to play every event, they're, they're we're talking like 16 events. I mean, if you're talking about a Rory or a Rom, I mean, they play the, the, the full elevated schedule and their, and their mandatory non-elevated schedule. I mean, they're playing just a couple more times than these live guys. And that was one of the allures of live was they could play less. That was one of the lies that the, that these golfers used that they could play less. Uh, and that was, that was, that was horse shit from the start and it just proves it. And they talked about expanding the schedule and everything like that. And um, yeah, it is pretty full. And, you know, I think that's a, that'd be a bigger fight. If I was a live tour player would be to, to get those world ranking points. So I would get in these majors because they're getting, they're getting events and they're getting rounds of golf in. And that's, that's like, we've always talked about. That's kind of the thing you need going into these major championships is, good rounds good competitive rounds and you know i know we joke about them being competitive versus not competitive but they you know they 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 are in their own you know unique uh unique way and everything so but yeah it's a pretty pretty full schedule and they they go overseas they go to australia and then to singapore and uh come back to the united states for a little bit but you know they they pack it in in a in a few in several weeks. And then they, I think they take the entire month of July off or just about, and, and then to kind of resume it and everything, but yeah, they're getting a lot of rounds in and, you know, if a lot of them 
can get into those, some of the DP events. Um, you know, they're going to be playing pretty much a full schedule. So this is just kind of proving that that uh, the the whole, uh, you know, I don't have to play as much. It was was just was just you know words and everything. But that uh, is interesting though. Back to the the management part of it. Yeah, they're couple of their top guys had uh had resigned and i didn't know i i had kind of assumed but didn't really know much about the greg norman thing about him getting more power because i think the only way that tour survives is for them to replace greg norman but uh obviously that's not happening if we're giving him more power so you got to assume that the that the uh um that the higher-ups that did end up resigning probably saw that coming that uh norman was probably in the room controlling a lot of the uh meetings and the conversations and everything and and that might might help it might not might lead their to their demise again this is not this is all about the 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 saudi uh public investment fund if they want to continue to pay these guys if they don't want to do it and they pull the plug that that's it but it's never going to make money it's never going to be overly successful it's just this this sideshow stuff that creates Actually, it's kind of creating pretty good content. I, I don't mind that there is the DP World Tour that these Euro tur- or these uh, live guys are going to, because th- that that T gate, you know, with Rory and Pat Reed there, with uh, him him tossing a, a live golf tee at him after being ignored, you know, was just it was just the good good stuff. I mean, it, you know, it wasn't like the actual physical incident. It was just the and it was just Rory's face, you know, which created just another wonderful gift that we can use now, you know, in, in conversations. Yeah. I, I just think it's a, I mean, I hate to, it's funny. You go back eight months, seven, eight months where it was July last year. And we were like, Oh man, this is like, there's a lot of momentum around live and um, kind of like, what's going to happen. What's going to happen with the future of PJ tour. And, and now I feel like months later, now I feel like PJ Tour's got a lot, a lot of momentum, and Live is kind of stalled out. And it's weird to say it already in year two, but I, I feel like I feel like this is the the pivotal year already. Where I mean, right now it just feels like empty calories um, as far as the spending and how much money they funneled into this thing, and literally nothing. There's no revenue. There's no money being made, and all the money they paid the players and. I mean, they've lost so much money. Again, it's not really a concern of theirs, but at some point it might be, and it might be, it might be the end of this year. I don't know. The thing is that all the interesting things about Live, they've done wrong. The, the teams, the 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 live drafts, um, right now, or or I'm well, what would have been the off season between October and now? Like, you know, if you want to say "quote unquote" free agency. Um, you know, rumors around guys changing teams. There's been nothing. And that was the interesting part of this whole thing was, you know, these four player teams and player movement and um, ownership by the players. And you've heard absolutely nothing since that last event in October until maybe, you know, the schedules dropped. And um, the, only, the only time you've heard anything from live guys is when they've shown up on the DP world tour to play like they have this week. I just think they've done all the interesting things wrong and I will be fascinated to see where they are by the end of the season. I just, I just don't see how this works out long-term and I really, and I think I predicted on one of the other podcasts, there's going to be a guy that's going to go to his agent and say, I want out of this. Um, I, and, and wants to come back to the tour. How will that work out? Um, 
you know, someone like Joaquin Neiman. I, I mean, a guy that was on on the verge of, you know, really being a star on the PGA Tour, won a couple times, super young, super talented. I, I just can't think he'd want to be in this this situation for the next however many years, two years, three years, five years, whatever, um, and potentially lock himself out of major championships. I, I just I just find that crazy. But I don't know how this is going to go, but that's just my thoughts on it. And I could be way wrong and it could be hugely successful this year. And I just don't, I just don't see a path. I, you know, I may be wrong. Well, hopefully they get that dog though, that loud music and stuff like that. That's, they do. They do. that's, yes. that's something there, but yeah, it's, I don't, it's just, yeah. I, yeah. You go off a louder. Yeah. But yeah. I think I think you're right, and you never know. But I mean, I, I think the CW deal is actually far worse than the YouTube one because I think at least people, um, you know, whether they're at work or whether they're you know just sitting on their phones on the couch or whatever, would turn it on to YouTube and, and actually watch some of the coverage and see how it was done. And you know, I, I texted you weeks ago. I didn't quite know what CW is. I know what it is now. But I never, I don't know if I had that channel as a kid or didn't ever know it existed or whatever. And then now seeing the shows that were on it, it was like, okay, I probably had something like that. But a lot of, a lot of people, I mean, it's going to be harder to find. And, you know, if you've got to download that CW app to, to watch it, I mean, I'm not going to do that. Are you? Uh, no, no. I. Yeah, there was a couple of events that I did watch, you know, checked it out at work. The yeah. first couple... Uh, the, the Labor Day event where DJ one made that long putt. I, I mean, I watched most of that last round just because I wanted to give it a fair shot for a full day. And it, no, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, but it wasn't, you know, it was what it was. Whatever, it was something to have on Labor Day weekend. But I'm not going to go searching for it now. Um, you know, I'll find out who won, and then that'll be that'll be it. I just, I just, yeah, I, I agree. I think this this was worse for them as far as viewership. And I don't know if maybe they were, this was strategic where, you know, you heard so much about the viewership numbers after every event and it was embarrassing. And at least now where they can, they don't have to report those numbers. Um, I'm not a Nielsen rating expert though. I don't know how that all works, but I know YouTube was much easier to track as far as viewership. And it was, it was bad. Um, are we, are we closing the book on live for for this episode? Let, let, we could cl- we could move on to Pebble here. <laughs> I, I see the the clock is closing down already. Um, uh, so we got Pebble this week. It's the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am. Uh, traditionally, it's it's just a slog of an event with the Pro Am, um, the celebrities from the the six hour rounds to the television aspect of it. It's just. They, they, they've ruined what could be a fun, interesting event with the, um, you always reference Larry the Cable Guy playing golf. Um, uh, you know, historic great golf course, Pebble and, and the trio of courses, Monterey and Spyglass. And, and it's just, this event just feels weighed down by the celebrity aspect and they've lost, um, the, the field strength has just weakened year by year by year. Um, it's it's kind of unfortunate. It is. It it's got a tough spot in the schedule between between Tory, and then you're right before you play Phoenix, 
And it's just, you know, it's just like the Florida swing. There's always, you know, there's, there's a lot of great events and some of them are just going to have to suffer. And I think a lot of these guys, you know, they don't love two straight weeks on the Poana greens. And then it's playing with the, the celebrity golfers. Like you said, I, I am sure there, you know, there's, there's a lot that like to do that, but you know, if you look at these, these top level golfers, if they don't have, if it's not a business venture for them, then they're just not really overly interested in doing it. So, I mean, you know, you're talking Pebble Beach, the, you know, one of the most scenic golf courses in, in, in the world there. And, you know, Spyglass is wonderful. And Monterey is that, that entire area looks, looks incredible there. And it's unfortunate that they have to skip it, but it's just one of those things that because you play every week, on the PGA tour, you know, you've got to find something there that you've got to that these guys got to get their rest with. And I think it just makes it a convenient thing that these younger guys just, they just not, they're not overly interested in playing with the, with the celebrity golfers. And I think, uh, unfortunately the field suffers along with it. From a betting perspective, um, when you're, you're looking at picking a, a betting a potential winner for this event, what are, what is something you focus on? It's hard with the three courses, obviously, um, two on Pebble. Um, are you focusing on on the course fit with Pebble, or is there just something that's vast that you can look at at all three courses? You know, you've got to look at guys who putt on Poana well because they're all similar types of greens. None of the golf courses are overly long, so you don't need uh, you don't need a bomber to to play the golf course. Pebble Beach has the smallest greens as far as average square footage on the PGA Tour year after year. So you want guys who hit their irons well or the guys who can scramble. And if you look at guys who've had success at it, um, you know, you don't see – you see guys with good short games. I mean, you look at Phil Mickelson has won here a whole bunch of times. Um, Jordan Spieth always had success. Um, Marco Mira was actually an underrated short game guy. He's won here like six times, five or six times, something like that. Um, so you don't really need, it's not just the bomb and gouge, um, because of the golf course is old enough where it's got the big trees and the, the weird angles and the, and the really, uh, grassy faced bunkers and everything that you, you don't need to hit driver all the time. It's, it's kind of a, uh, you know, more of a thinker's golf course and, and spyglass is probably the toughest of the three, um, requiring a little bit more length, but it has that same kind of similar, traits to get around it and and monterey seems to be don't really know much about that because the they don't have cameras out there but it seems to be that same type of thing there which is i'd love to see monterey i'd love to see i know, the golf I know. Uh, unbelievable in 2023 and eh, we can't get cameras out there i mean yeah exactly I, yeah um, so you, you you know i love i love a good bomb or two uh, as a as a winner and, and we talk about where where to pick your spots in the schedule you know this is this is one of those events where it's it's kind of your stars and scrubs uh, that have won here. Going back to 2016, you've had three guys that are literal bombs and three guys that are kind of the star category. And 2016, Vaughn Taylor wins at 300 to one. Uh, Spieth and 17 at nine to one. Ted Potter Jr. the year he took down Dustin Johnson at 500 to one. 20 DJ Slayer. 500 to one, it might, I can't remember a longer number um, just from a betting perspective. 
Uh, Phil in, in 2019 at 25 to 1. Nick Taylor in 2020 at 160 to 1. Uh, Berger in 2021 at 18 to 1. And even last year, Tom Hoagie uh, really started his ascension last year here when he was 66 to 1. Um, so, again, if you look at the last seven years, you've had four guys over 60 to 1 win. You've also had some top guys win. So it's 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 tough to pick it out, but I, I guarantee you, I think last year one of us picked Andrew Putnam at eighty or ninety to one, and he was he was there on the weekend. And you're gonna have you're gonna have a guy or two that's close yeah. with with that number. You did you had Putnam, and I think either last year or the year before I picked Lashley, and Nate Lashley almost won it. So I mean, that's right, that's right. There's some there's some guys out there. Uh, so to uh, talk about the, the board here, and by the way, Justin Ray uh, gave the stat that Jordan Spieth is the all-time leader in, um, I think, scoring average here, um, the minimum of 15 rounds. So we mentioned Spieth. He's, he usually plays well in this event. He's the co-favorite, at least on draft teams, with uh, Matt Fitzpatrick at 11-1. to 1. Victor Hovland at 12. Mav McNeely at 20. Hoagie at 22. Seamus Power at 22, and Andrew Putnam at 28 to 1. So we got seven guys under 30 to 1. That's usually our cutoff for the top echelon of players. Let's talk about Spieth. Um, last time we saw him was at the Sony when he went from first-round leader to miss cut. He pulled a, pulled a Keegan, and um, it was kind of an odd, odd circumstance because it was – we really felt kind of good about him after the first round and to see him kind of, kind of fade so quickly in the second round was a little jarring, but that might be what speed is now. I don't know, but 11 to one here this week. Uh, can you pull the trigger? I, I don't think I can pull the trigger at 11 to one. Now I don't, I don't dislike him, but that round, that second round at Sony really concerned me. I think he really embraces though, this, uh, this format though. He's an AT&T guy. So this is kind of his, uh, uh, is a big deal for him. He's he's entertaining a lot of people, and he's trying to, uh, you know, he's trying to play well for them. And I I, I can't think of who his partner normally is, but um, the country singer oh, usually country guy, yeah, yeah. He play, he's a he's a pretty good player, so I think they actually kind of feed off each other a little bit there, and they're they they've got that comfortable kind of pairing and everything. So I don't dislike it. Um, I'll I'll shift. Over to the other favorite of Matthew Fitzpatrick. I do like him a lot more. Um, I don't like a lot of these numbers, and I don't usually, I'm not usually a, a, a bet the favorite type of guy uh, at the top there, but uh, uh, played pretty good at, uh, at the first event at the Century. Um, I think his golf course fits him so good, these golf courses, but I think Pebbles, Pebbles good. I mean, he can obviously hits it far enough and he's a good iron player, uh, good short game and everything. Um, don't love the number, but like, you know, DraftKings right now, you, uh, they've got a, a, an opt-in where you can add uh, plus 300 to any winner. So yeah, I'll, I'll bet him at, I'll probably add it to him and make him one of my bets at, uh, at plus 1400. Um, don't hate either one, but if I'm, if I'm looking at the two, I'm going to go Matt Fitzpatrick this week. Hmm. Yeah. I, I would think the next step for Fitzpatrick is, is winning more. You know, I think yep. incredibly impressive season last year with the U S open, but still hasn't had a ton of success overall winning on the PGA tour. So this feels like 
this and Harbor Town, what I was talking about with Fitzpatrick, feel like just perfect fits. Um, I'll probably avoid both Fitzpatrick and Spieth. I might see where Spieth's at after the first round if we could get him a lower number, plus 2,000 to 3,000, maybe somewhere alive. Probably from the top, the only guy I'm going to bet pre-tournament is Tom Hoagie, uh, 22. I think that's pretty good. Um, he is still, I think, maybe a top 10 15 iron player on tour. Uh, you talked about the small greens, especially at Pebble. Um, we've seen how dialed in he can get with his irons. Um, and to me, it kind of comes down to the putter. And uh, I've, I've got I've got a decent amount of faith in Hoagie. Um, Seamus Power, was this the tournament? With, was it last year where he led by like three or four after like the 36 hole mark? And Maybe yes. that was two years ago. I, it was like, oh my God, James Power is going to win, and it didn't work out. But um, not a terrible five. number. He led by five, five at one point. Um, felt like a runaway. Uh, so I don't think it's a terrible number on him either. I, I think Andrew Putnam's unbettable at twenty-eight to one, even though profiles really well. Yeah. Um, Thirty to fifty, we have Matt Kuchar, Keith Mitchell, Justin Rose, Joel Damon. Danny McCarthy, Scott Stallings, Alex Smalley, and 50 to 1 is uh, Thomas Dietrich, Taylor Pendrith, and Dean Burmeister. Um, you know, when I was looking at the board earlier, Johnny, it was like I didn't find a ton of differentiation from this range to the like the 70 to 100 range. So I don't know how busy I'll be in this range. I I did bet Justin Rose last week to win, and he played pretty reasonably. I think he finished top thirty, um, so I'm mildly interested in, interested in him. But outside of him in this group, I don't really, I don't really have a lot I love. I, I'm going to agree with you there. Justin Rose is actually not a bad pick. Yeah, you know, played uh, um, you know played solid, made the cut, and everything. And he's had some uh, played well in the U.S. Open here the last time that they had it. So I mean, there is some. So good course memories and everything. And, and I, you know, he just seemed to be, maybe he's trending a little bit to play a little bit, a little bit better at 35 to one though. I, I don't know. I mean, me, I might look at him in like a, a top 20. I did bet him top 40 last week um, and ended up uh, cashing in on that. So maybe something like that to carry over the good play from last week. Um, you know, there, the, the other guys that I, I would, consider but i probably won't bet on it is is joel damon um you know he's he's uh uh not i don't know form wise how he's gonna look but uh um i think his his son was just born not long ago he's max Homa's good buddy you know i like to ride those you know those those motivational things where you know maybe he's gonna follow up with some good play and i don't hate denny mccarthy this week but i don't love it if i had if i'm being forced to kind of pick any of those guys those are those are my three but i kind of would save your money here and and you know look a little bit further down the list justin rose last week when i i told you i i bet him to win at 66 to one you were justin rose and i said yes so at least you followed it in I did. some fashion um, no, no okay so quick story about that quick story about that you did text me that and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go bet him top 40. Well, I was in, uh, I, I was busy. I was doing whatever. I was on my phone, you know, whatever. And I hit top 40 and bet. And then it posted, and I'm like, shit, I bet Keegan Bradley. 
And I was like, mm-hmm. and I couldn't cash it out. So I'm like, well, we'll just let, we'll, let's go Keegan and then Justin Rose. So I was kind of happy. That I actually worked got out. both that worked of, out. That that worked plus out. money. That worked out. Well, Keegan was at plus money for top 40 last week. Yeah. No, top 40 or top. Had to be. I'll good. have to look at that. But yeah, it was, it was yeah. in the same odds. But anyway, that's pretty good. Um, over 50. Um, 50 to 100. Uh, some notable names in here. Um, who's notable in this group? Oh, my God. <laughs> Kurt Kitayama, 61. Kurt had a great year last year. Davis Riley. Um, we love Davis Riley. I don't know if we love him this week or this season so far, but he's at 65. David Lipsky at 70. Uh, he played really yeah. nicely a couple weeks ago. Um, my, my one of my favorites and go tos, Russell Knox at seventy five to one. Yep. Callum Taron at seventy five. He's had a nice run for a while. Uh, there's Lanto, Grayson Sig. You, you just have a conglomeration of of dudes here. Um, those names or anyone outside of those names. I'm sorry, that's what I meant to ask. Um, I. I know he's one of your, but Nick Taylor again. Um, he finished well. He played played well in Hawaii. Um, yeah. 60, 65 to one is a good number, and I, I think I'll throw a little bit on him. I do like this group. I like a lot of the guys you mentioned. I know I mentioned Nick Hardy before in uh, in the preseason. There, yeah. not sure if I'll, I'll bet him yet because he hasn't really, you know, hasn't really emerged yet in this this winter time season. But uh, you know, a good number there. Um, I was going to mention um, Russell Knox because it could be windy. He's Scottish. That's that's what that's what they they do there. They just play in the wind. So he's always been a pretty good wind player there. So he's another guy that I like. Um, I might have to jump on the Bo Hostler train. Um, Ooh. Ooh. I it's would say it's a rocky that, road. That, that yeah, it is. And he. But the only thing is, I will say on him is you if if you're not who's going to be fully committed on Bull Hustler. But if you're not, he just switched uh, from TaylorMade to Titleist, and so he switched golf balls. And when guys switch golf balls, there is a lot of uh, um, that 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 feeling out period. I know they do it in practice a lot, but once you get in tournaments, though, but Bull Hustler is always a favorite of a first round lead. And he's oh, switching to a better golf ball, so I'm saying the better equipment is gonna is gonna work. So maybe not this week, but keep him in mind. He did finish third last year uh, in this event. Um, that was he had two chances, I thought, to win this one and um, Valero last year when I I did bet him to win. But um, Bo Hostler has always looked so much older than he actually actually is. Going back to when he was an amateur at uh, uh, that tw- that tw- well that 2012 U.S. Open when he was in high school. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. At, at, at Olympic when he looked like he was 28, and now he's what closer to 30. Now he looks 45. Um, just I know on Bo Hostler. Yeah, Hostler there um, I, again. I. I I, I like Russell Knox in these kind of short course events where iron plays a bit of a premium, where his length's not a big deal. Um, he's got a reasonable record here at Pebble. He's got a slew of top 25 finishes. His form is total garbage, though. In fact, he had, I don't think he's had a top 20 since the Charles Schwab last year. So I, I don't know if I feel good about that. I want to I like Nick Hardy like you. 
Um, I just haven't seen anything good really this season. Um, Will Gordon, I'm always interested in. Doesn't feel like a Will Gordon course, though. Um, tough, tough range, though. SH Kim, I don't know anything about this guy, but he's always on the air course. Um, he is, isn't he? He's always on, and then I'm always like, see Wu. I'm like, no, wait, this SH. Um, so I, I know he came from the Corn Ferry. Uh, he was a graduate, but I don't really know a lot about his game, but I've seen him a lot on leaderboards and uh, might, might need to look closer at that as we go forward. The guy I was going to talk about was Callum Tarrant. Callum Tarrant has had a nice run through the fall. I think he was runner-up at RSM in the fall. Um, there's at least some, some at least decent similarities, I think, as far as, you know, shorter course, um, he just finished 25th at Farmers. I think his form's reasonable. So Count Tarrant at 75 to 1, probably my one, at least one play in there uh, for this week. 100 to 1 and above. Um, mm. A lot of choices. No Kenny Pickman in the field this week, like we did two years ago. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just, I always have to do a double take. We, we talked about it the last time we recorded, but Webb Simpson at 100 I, I kind of have to do a double take. I the the, the problem is is it, I don't think he's I don't think the value there. I mean he it, it's just for a Ryder Cupper major champion who just was an unbelievable putter and iron player. What two or three years ago during the COVID stretch? I mean he was he was he was so good, but so good. he can't make cuts and it's just it's 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 kind of remarkable i mean he, i don't know you know it's one of those things that i think if you keep betting him yeah it'll it'll pay off and he'll have a top 10 finish or top 20 but i don't i i i, I don't know what his previous finishes his last like 10 finishes are but i can't imagine that they're it's anything it's really bad he, he in fact he didn't have a top 10 all of last season his best finisher was a 13th at Travelers. Oh, my God. He's missed the cut in four of the last five. It's it's really bad. I'm going to bet him this week, though. <laughs> You're going to bet him I, this week? I am betting him at 100 to 1, yes. I, yes, I, I am. I just – what about Kisner at 100? That feels low. It does feel low. I, 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 I don't think his game is anywhere – Near where it was a few years ago. He was a ago. President's Cup player. Jesus. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's a factual statement. I, I don't know. It's just that number does. It's kind of remarkable to see a guy who, you know, generally has been that good like that as well, like Webb Simpson and, and Kevin Kisner. But I mean, I don't think his, his course record's been very much here at this event. Um, yeah. Anyone you circled? You know, I it, this has always been until last year. I did actually bet him last year not to win, and don't bet this guy to win. But Kevin Streelman just loves this event. This is his, him That's and Larry Fitzgerald will be going balls out That's here true. to win this event. And mm. and uh, um, why did I know that him and Larry Fitzgerald were partners? Such an odd pairing, isn't it? Yes, it is. How it, did that happen? Well, I saw they interviewed Larry Fitzgerald. The Golf Channel did during a, when I had a day off, and 
they're both whisper rock guys out in Arizona and yeah. Streelman just went out one day and just was like helping them out. And then they started playing golf all the time. And that's the, then they were uh, bros now. So, but anyways, but Streelman maybe in a top 30, top 40, you know, top 20, maybe, I mean, he used to be a top 10 machine here really has had a pretty good track record. His game is not good enough to win a, uh, win an event but you know like this fits him and if he gets those irons going he's actually a pretty good iron player so that's why he generally plays his golf course pretty good there so i i like i like him in that kind of a finish um uh harry hall um i i've kind of not been i've kind of passed on him quite a bit here lately but uh or kind of since he got his card and everything but I, I think this weather that could potentially be, and I don't know what the weather forecast is. So it's, you know, but at that, at a number, like at a nine to one for a top 10 or something like that, you know, I think he's definitely worth looking at. Um, Garrick Higo finally, yeah, he's a good player. He finally started, uh, played good last week here. So maybe he'll, uh, he'll carry that good play there. And did you see Jimmy Walker? Okay, I was gonna, I was gonna talk. I'll about let Jimmy you. Uh, you you always bring up Jimmy Walker. So I did, you... and I was seriously gonna do it. I, I normally it's our running joke, but he's got he's a past winner at this event. Um, Jimmy Walker finished thirteenth last week at uh, Torrey Pines. He played with John Rom uh, on Friday, and uh, I was like, wait, are they paired together with Jimmy Walker? Um, I'm not saying Jimmy Walker is going to win, but 130 to one, I, I would assume his top 20 number is probably somewhere in the plus four to 500 range. Um, I, from 2011 to 2014, he didn't finish, finish outside the top 10 of this event. He won in 2014. Um, yeah, it's 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 worth something to look at. I gotta I gotta give you credit on the Streelman play. Streelman from uh, he missed the cut last year, but from 2016 to 2021, he didn't finish outside the top 20. So Kevin Streelman for a top 20 is uh, plus 400, and uh, that's that's a great call by you. That's, and, uh, that's yeah. I mean, recency. He just loves this golf course, or this tournament, I should say. Um, gosh, I, I don't really. Uh, disappointingly, I don't really have a lot. Um, in this range, um, Austin Eckrode at 180, but I don't think we've seen a lot from him um, since he just got his card, uh, right? He was a Corn Ferry graduate, I believe. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Um, he's kind of the forgotten man from those Oklahoma State teams. Um, I, I really don't have a lot to talk about past past 100. Um, what Webb and and I like the stream one play past that. I think we're just really throwing darts yeah i think this one right here is if you if you like live betting mm-hmm. write down a bunch of these names guys guys that sound good and look to see if when they play spot uh, spyglass hills that's the toughest golf course of the three uh monterey is the easiest and the guys who play pebble on saturday because they get two straight rounds of pebble that's kind of uh you know that's usually generally for the the bigger um, uh amateur stars so but yeah. but if they play well at spyglass the first day they're definitely worth a live bet because they've got the hard round of golf um out of the way so if you if you're going to take anything from this you know look at that and um definitely look at the golf course rotation because 
I think that's where you can get a lot of uh, really, really good value is if the books don't pick up on it, that uh, if Spyglass was is already out of the way, then then they've got easier golf courses coming up. It's a good call. And, and with multiple courses, I've found live betting, there's some really wonky odds. Yes. Um, and they're slow to updates on certain books. And you can really grab a good long number on a guy that's 10th, 20th, but you know, he, maybe he's playing the easier golf course on uh, that day. So I'm with you. I like that. I just saw Doc Redman um, at 300 to one, but yeah, it's just, it's just wishful thinking. It is Wish, wishful thinking. Hank Lebiota at 400. Remember it was two years ago. Hank Lebiota went on yes. that insane, you know, that insane top run. 10 or top 20 him. Oh every my God. Week. He was just a machine. Crazy! Oh my God! I wish I could bet. Um, uh, I wish I had. I felt better about this week. Is 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 Doug Gim? I I, I like him as a player, uh, but just there's been nothing. There's been no signs of life for months out of Doug Gim, and I think that just uh, kind of stinks. All right, AT and T Pebble Beach program uh, this week on CBS, and uh, we'll check it out. And hopefully, we'll be back next week to talk about it. Johnny, thanks for joining. Um, hope you have a great week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to your best bets. Uh, I don't know if we'll have another show this week, but next week will be Super Bowl week. We'll at least have one show for props and one show to talk about the game. Um, so that should be fun. Um, enjoy your week. Enjoy the end of this miserable January weather as we get to closer to spring. So thanks for listening. Check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, and our picks this week. See you next time.